Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mark Papermaster. Mark is the Chief Technology Officer and Executive Vice President of Technology and Engineering at AMD, a roughly $10 billion revenue company based in Austin, Texas. In that role, Mark is responsible for corporate technical direction and product development. He's been with the company for nearly a decade and looking forward to getting his perspectives on how he has managed across what has been a technology juggernaut, uh, as well as his view into where the technology is going and trends that uh, will influence that. But first, a word from our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Silicon Valley not having much silicon has created all kinds of problems in our world today, Peter. Therefore, the biggest revolution we are seeing is the chip revolution. Zoho is more a culture story than a tech story. What I mean by that is we develop tools for communication and collaboration, whereby employee voices rather than titles are heard. We even enable anonymous posts in our communication apps, whereby senior leadership can really get the pulse of the organization. We also see constant flow of product ideas, marketing ideas, and innovation as a result. Learn more to enable communication and collaboration to unlock innovation at Zoho.com. And now for a word from our partner, QuickBase, and the company's chief executive officer, Ed Jennings. QuickBase is a low-code application development platform focused on citizen automation. And Ed wanted to share how the company helps organizations democratize automation. Ed, over to you. At QuickBase, our mission is to unlock the potential of organizations to adapt and innovate at speed. We do this by empowering business technologists within organizations to leverage low-code, no-code, to visually build their own applications, click and drag, integrate across their existing systems, and eliminate manual and clumsy processes by writing their own workflow automations. As we see more technology responsibility shifting to the business, here are the top three ways that CIOs can unlock the potential of their own businesses to adapt and innovate faster. One, empower a culture of innovation where every member of the team feels responsible for building and innovating digital solutions. Two, build a practice of citizen automation in your company, build our governance frameworks and communities of practice. And three, equip the team with the right citizen automation tools. My name is Ed Jennings, and I'm the CEO of QuickBase. I look forward to sharing how we've helped over 5,000 enterprises mature their citizen automation programs. And now on to the interview. Mark, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thanks, Peter. Great to be with you here today. Excellent. Well, so um, as part of your peer purview, as I mentioned, you're responsible for corporate uh, technical direction, product development. And within that, it includes areas like system on chip, uh, the methodology surrounding that, uh, microprocessor design, um, I/O and memory, and advanced research. I wonder if we could take a moment and talk a little bit, little bit about some of what you and the team are doing within each of those areas, and kind of provide a bit of background. You bet, Peter. Well, it's a, a just a tremendous role that I've had the opportunity to have uh, almost the past ten years. Uh, having joined in fall of 2011. And it encompasses, uh, as you said, two roles. So as the executive VP of our uh, R&D side, our technology and engineering uh, vertical that I run, uh, it's, it's really about uh, the uh, execution of how to bring leadership compute technology to market. And when you go back 10 years ago, it really meant 
uh, a re-engineering of the engineering processes that we run. AMD had such a storied history of innovation, uh, but at times it had a gap in terms of the of uh, getting a new product out to market. And so, you know, with those uh, elements that uh, you described there in terms of uh, how we uh, develop the roadmaps for our, our base engines, our CPU and GPUs, and put it together in system on a chip uh, that combines all those computing elements. Uh, how do you make sure that those engines that do all the computations get uh, get fed? We call it feeding the beast. You have to feed, you know, a very, very high rate uh, data rate from memory, very, very high data rate from the I.O., all the devices. When you ever see any uh, photo of a computer, it's never just the the CPUs or the central processors, the graphic processors, it's all the you know, wires and you see how you're, you're, you're feeding those engines uh, to get all the uh, calculations done. Uh, and that same structure is in, in a PC that you have or uh, you know, embedded devices you have. It's that same architecture and engineering. So the key uh, in that um, uh, technology and engineering role was to uh, it's just been a thrill, and that's working with the uh, incredibly bright and innovative people in, in, in AMD and growing our team uh, over the years uh, to, uh, as I said, re-engineer engineering so that our roadmaps are such uh, that their leadership, uh, our execution processes are such that we deliver to market exactly uh what we said we would do, when we said we would. And that allows us to be a bankable partner for our customers because they know year in and year out, uh, we're delivering that technology. And, and, uh, and also, you know, continue that strong heritage, that culture of innovation that we've had in AMD. And then on the CTO side, it's about strategy and direction and, and, and helping uh, with, the, with the, uh, my boss, our CEO, and, and uh, the peer executives in AMD and the whole engineering team, shepherding, you know, how we make sure that directionally uh, we don't lose a beat. And that also very much entails listening to customers. I probably meet with customers, uh, you know, uh, one to two every week. And one of our strengths in AMD is we listen very well. So I'm always sharing what we're doing, but then listening, uh, hearing from our customers, how we can help solve pain points and how we may in fact need to adjust that roadmap going forward. So uh, I'm really fortunate to have uh, those two roles and uh, it's just been a ton of fun and, and uh, I see an incredible uh, bright future ahead. Clearly, a lot of what you're doing is exploring the art of the possible in some ways. You talked about collaborations with customers, for example. And of course, you've got a, a strong team around you as well. Talk a bit about how the team works as it develops, as it innovates, as it um, you know dreams up new products or, or new adjustments to existing products, as the case may be. Well, the, you know, we like to stay at AMD. Um, very focused. We pride ourselves on being scrappy. Our, our, our competitors are sometimes, you know, much larger than us. They might be able to put more, uh, you know, resources to bear. And uh, so we like to leverage our scrappiness to our advantage. So Peter, we stay very focused. So in, in we have, uh, you know, clear lines of business uh, that we target. And then we have a great cooperation of our research and development teams, our R&D teams with those lines of business. So a typical discussion is what problem are we solving? What value are we adding? And what are some of the gaps? What, what do we need to innovate on to add more value uh, to, to attack a problem? It might be uh, in a PC, how do we get dramatically more uh, battery life? How do we get uh, dramatically more uh, graphics processing, you know, working in, in tandem with our central processor unit? So the experience of that customer is just much more rich and enjoyable. 
Uh, we partner with game console developers. We're the uh, technology underneath, uh, working with uh, Microsoft on uh, Xbox Series X and, and Sony on PlayStation uh, 5. And I mean, what a deep partnership that is to, to create, you know, an integrated experience. So th those are each separate siloed teams working uh, directly in deep projects with those customers to deliver a great gaming experience. And then all the way to, to uh, uh, the data center on the, on the big server chips that we do and partnering uh, across the, the huge hyperscale data centers and uh, enterprise uh, OEM. So it's, it's, um, it's really about uh, you know, focused problem solving and, and delivering value. And, and our hope, Peter, is that any of our customers, they, they see and experience that value. It's a, it's a better experience for gamers, for, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just to folks using PCs, and it's efficiency for those running, you know, massive computing and, and data centers and elsewhere. Well, speaking of value, uh, your stock has returned over 1,500% uh, over the past five years. Whereas uh, one of your main comp competitors, Intel, has returned a bit more than eighty percent, um, I, I, I can hear in the in what you've described some of the methods that are used uh, in order to develop these sort of game changing uh, innovations. Talk a bit about uh, some of the other ways in which you see the the, the justification of of this tremendous uh, value creation over the course of the past five years. What, what other sources would you attribute it to? Well, it it very much ties Peter into uh, you know your question of of how you drive innovation. You know how's that process work? Uh, you know across uh, you know internally and, and with our end customers. Uh, that is what's translated into the valuation of the company. When when you look at uh, AMD of uh, ten years ago, and and uh, you know even uh, up through let's say 2015, 2016, um, why was why was the stock down? Uh, because we weren't a broad-based company, most of the uh, revenues uh, were on uh, PCs, and and uh, you know then we started adding the game console to that. But it wasn't um, it, uh, it wasn't a, um, a broadly diversified business, and it was uh, more dependent on on some of the uh, cyclical nature. Uh, game consoles are cyclical. PCs have a back-to-school cycle, right? Uh, and so when you take that uh, culture of both innovation and a culture of execution and you apply it across every business line. And, uh, you know, Lisa Sue became a CEO in late uh, 2014. And, you know, her mantra was uh, let's of course, uh, you know, um, focus on innovation, uh, but let's uh, commit ourselves to high performance in everything we do and listening to our customers in everything we do and simplifying how we go about delivering that value. And that mantra, Peter, resonated across the, the whole company. And so what you've seen uh, since then is uh, like a, a, a drumbeat. Uh, we've been able to uh, deliver to the roadmaps. You look at our first generation of a brand new uh, CPU architecture. We call it Zen. And it powers the, the Ryzen line that goes into PCs. It, it powers the Epic line that goes into the big servers. And that generation that released in, uh, in uh, 2017 brought a 52% improvement in computing efficiency over the previous generation. And we've already released generation two and generation three of that Zen processor and been, uh, you know, uh, mid to high uh, uh, teens uh, percentage improvement on, on those next generations. We've done the same thing on our uh, GPU roadmaps, uh, delivering you know significant 
uh, uh, not just performance, but performance per watt of energy consumed at, at each cycle. And so when you do that across each of your businesses, we became not only that same innovation engine AMD used to be, but delivering a diversified portfolio and delivering like clockwork. Uh, and, and it just translates uh, uh, the revenues. You said at the outset, we were actually just under $10 billion in revenue uh, last year. And uh, we've, we've now, and uh, you look at the uh, uh, public uh, projections from AMD, uh, we're forecasting a 50% improvement in revenue in 2021. And you know that, that is market acceptance of what we're doing. And it says that the game plan uh, that we've done uh, is, is working. And it says that we are listening well to our customers and we won't change that. One of the things I know that you, uh, Mark, have said in the past is a, an important cultural attribute of this organization is open communications. Uh, talk a bit about, first of all, its importance, but also how it's fostered. Well, uh, I, I'm a broken record uh, at AMD uh, with my engineering teams, and that is that communications is fundamental. It's just fundamental at, at every level of the organization. I, I have a a mantra that um, we, you know, our culture has to be first one of transparency. So when we communicate, uh, there are no politics involved. It's just being open, candid. I mean, that's how you solve problems. You have to, you have to call out a problem before you can solve it. Uh, you know, you hide a problem, you delay it, you sweep it under the rug. It doesn't go away. It actually festers. So, uh, you know, that communications has to be very transparent. Uh, you have to have a culture that's focused on uh, problem solving. Uh, uh, we, we talk about risk taking, putting risks on the table, managing those risks, and then ultimately uh, making decisions and, and really having good clarity of decisions. So there's an element of communications in all that, Peter, and it, and it comes together if you focus on those areas uh, and, and you uh, do it uh, repeatedly, you end up with a culture of trust that gets built on that communications. And trust is such a powerful force. It's, it ends up ensuring, you know, such a, a tighter efficiency of execution because you're not looking behind your back if someone is stabbing back. No, we're all in this together. We're communicating. We're, we're managing the risk together. And the other thing that I always uh, say, and, and it's, it's contrary to some companies' culture, but um, I actually advocate contention. I call it creative contention. Uh, you know, I, I love it. If you come to, you know, one of my meetings with the team leaders, you'll, you'll hear pretty robust debate. And you might say, oh, my goodness, you know, how, what, how can this company be tolerating such debate? That, to me, is the genesis of innovation. You've got to have what I call that creative contention. But then, as I said before, decision making, you got to come together, you got to make decisions, you got to align and move forward as a team. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really um, all of those elements uh, tie back into communication. It's, it's a very simple word, but there's so many facets. And when you bring it all together, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know what else to say, Peter, than it's fun. I mean, we're working hard, but when you really can pull those cultural elements together, it's really fun. The great, great examples there, Mark. I really appreciate that. You know, there's a there's a robust war for talent on currently, and especially for an organization growing at the pace that yours is, uh, ensuring that you're bringing on a, a, a great group of people and continuing to build a, a great culture like what you just described uh, can become more challenging the bigger you get. Talk, talk a bit about some of the ways in which you've thought about building your team and and uh, the the value proposition you you propose to to would be team members. Uh, as you as you go through recruiting processes, 
Well, we're, we're very open about uh, the, the very discussion I have with you, the kind of culture we are. That doesn't work for everybody. Um, and, you know, you have to be um, a candid person. You have to be able to collaborate. If you're not, if you're not able to collaborate, that's probably not going to work for you at, at AMD. That's, you know, we're really built on uh, communication and, and, uh, and collaboration. And, but as you say, well, we, are we going, we were going tremendously. And uh, actually uh, that, um, that culture that I just described is one of our biggest selling points. What we're finding is a lot of people are, are almost suffocating sometimes in, in certain uh, you know, company cultures, and and yet they're very bright, they're very talented. Uh, they see uh, the you know how our products are getting broad acceptance, uh, and they see that they can join AMD and really make a difference in people's lives because our products, you know, are just used in in so many aspects of people's work lives and personal lives uh, because we all rely on computing. Uh, the pandemic has done nothing but accelerate. Uh, how we all use uh, computing devices and how we communicate with one another. Uh, and so it, it's it's our, our culture and our chance to really make a difference, uh, which is our huge selling point. And um, we find, again, the people that can align with our approach, they thrive when they get to AMD. Very interesting. Um, I wanted to also ask you how AMD uses its own technology. As you point out, uh, AMD technology is in so many different devices. Part of it's an easy answer, just the, the, the various ways in which you know, any of us are using technologies that might incorporate your, uh, your, your products. But talk a bit about how the company is its own sort of first customer, so to say. Well, that's, that's actually uh, huge for us. Um, I have to say, Lisa, uh, Sue did a, a good move about uh, just over four years ago uh, in my role as a CTO and running the technology and, and engineering. She said, Mark, uh, you're so passionate about the technology you're developing. Uh, you're going to now be responsible for our internal IT, how we deploy internally that technology. And uh, I uh, think it's been just a great combination. When you look how that IT function has worked uh, and now, um, you know, organizations don't fundamentally change things, but they do make it easier, you know, even easier to, to collaborate uh, and to have a, a, a different vision. So you, when you take, when we took the IT team and put it right in with the uh, the, the CTO function, um, it uh, really, I just uh, uh, give a big hats off to our IT team. They uh, really adopted a much more innovative approach. They started really looking at uh, how to uh, be that early adopter, as you said. So uh, when I told you about that new Zen processor line, uh, they immediately uh, got those first uh, Ryzen CPU-based PCs and, and often with our Radeon graphics uh, included in, in that same device. It's called the APU. It has a, both our uh, a CPU and graphics and an accelerated processor unit and uh, started deploying it internally. So now our own users were the first ones to give uh, feedback on those new units and, and uh, you know, any suggestions to, to uh, yet further improve the, uh, the usability. Uh, as well, uh, we are, as we got into this rapid growth mode, Peter, we had to really uh, change and, and drastically improve our own compute capabilities to designing chips and both the hardware and software for new chip designs turns out is incredibly compute intensive. So we had to grow our on-premise data center dramatically. Uh, we did it using uh, the new Epic-based servers. Uh, and, uh, you know, we did it uh, in uh, a way that um, was very innovative uh, in terms of uh, uh, pushing the performance. 
We used, uh, for many of our engineers, uh, the IT team developed virtual desktops. You didn't have to have a big workstation under your desk. You could run off of the server farm and have the, the same kind of performance. Uh, we also uh, ran on the cloud. So we started working with the hyperscalers and taking some of our big uh, electronic design automation, our big uh, you know compute intensive uh, workloads that we use to design next generation chips and we're running it in some of the you know those huge cloud applications. And then lastly, we've been applying uh, artificial intelligence. When you look at billions and billions of transistors on these chip designs, it turns out you can apply uh, AI and machine learning to optimize uh, how you implement those chip designs. Uh, we've used uh, AI to um, uh, really speed up our whole debug process. We've improved the gaming devices. So when you play games on AMD, we've actually do uh, image optimization and even some of our financial processes, we're applying AI and ML. So from the devices we use to even the applications and optimizations we've run, uh, it's been uh, just a, a great job of our, of our IT team partnering with each of the uh, uh, R&D and uh, business functions in the company. And they, they're now a part of that whole innovation process as we uh, deploy our own uh, technology internally. We call it eating our own cooking and uh, recommend it to any company to uh, to really lean in as hard as, as they can on that aspect. Now that makes an awful lot of sense. So we've started to talk about some some of the tra trends that are most salient uh, to your organization, artificial intelligence among them, for example. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you whether it's uh, digging in deeper on some of the ones that you've already uh, already begun to highlight or some additional ones that, that you'd like to to underscore. What are some of those trends as you look to the future that you're particularly excited about? Well, the key trend is not a new trend, Peter, uh, but it's one that uh, is, I'll say, fundamental for us at AMD. And that is that the trend uh, of exponential growth and demands for more computing capabilities. Why do I say it's not new? Because the, you know, just look historically, central processors and graphics processors have been more than doubling every two years. I mean, that's, so that is an exponential rate that, that, that they've been on. But how you get that doubling is really changing now. It used to be that you got uh, really 60% or more of that generational improvement of a, of a new compute engine from the semiconductor technology itself, the very transistor building blocks that you create that pr processor out of. Well, uh, that was called Moore's Law. Right? There, there's a lot of facets of Moore's Law, and, but, but it, what it really does come down to uh, was that it was the predominant driver for all those improvements that we all have come to take for granted, uh, generation after generation of your electronic products. But with Moore's Law slowing, meaning that we're not getting all that same benefit of each new semiconductor generation, and frankly, those devices are more expensive, the amount of gain and performance that you get from that new transistor device is now not the majority. It's now, let's call it 40% with 60% with or more having to come from the design aspects that you bring about how you put all the pieces together. So that trend of putting yet more emphasis on, on the design capability uh, to feed that continued insatiable, you know, exponential growth of computing uh, to, to us, Peter at AMD, that's really exciting because that's, that, that's our mission. That's what we're here to do. So it's like, okay, AMD, uh, even more is on you right now. You know, don't, you know, so we, we love a challenge. And now that challenge is simply growing uh, every generation. Um, and that that's innovations are lifeblood. So this is great. We're up for it. 
Well, Mark Papermaster, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives from this vast purview you have within this fast-growing organization, the things you and your team are focused on, uh, your vision for the future. It's been a, a great conversation. Peter, thanks so much. Really enjoyed chatting with you today.